From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 191 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I remain a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, my wife and I have returned from our long weekend away in celebration of our 34th wedding anniversary. Time certainly does fly. It's also hard to believe that it will be Thanksgiving in less than a month. What, but what doesn't fly in this world or change? The only thing that doesn't is God in his love and mercy for each of us. May we feel that love, accept that mercy, and respond to that love with the love of our own, a love for God and a love for one another. In episode 191 of What is Truth Catholic podcast, we will first discuss our Saint of the Week, who is Venerable Augustus Tolton, a former slave. We hear a homily for the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time as we hear about Jesus' encounter with a rich tax collector. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a techie whose faith is in the center of his life. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book from a Catholic bishop. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will attempt to understand what happened to a Christian doctor in England. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear from Pope Francis about the importance of tenderness. All of this, plus music from Company of Saints who sings, Be Where I Am. This and more on episode 191 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Father Augustus Tolton advanced along the path to sainthood recently, making the runaway slave-turned-priest one step closer to being the first black American saint. Pope Francis recognized the heroic virtue of Father Tolton, making him a venerable within the church, only two steps away from canonization. With the decree, Catholics are now authorized to pray directly to Tolton as an intercessor before God. Venerable John Augustus Tolton was born into slavery in Monroe County, Missouri in 1854. He escaped slavery with his family during the Civil War by crossing the Mississippi River into Illinois. John Boy, you're free. Never forget the goodness of the Lord, said Tolton's mother to him after they had crossed. The young Tolton attended St. Peter's Catholic School in Quincy, Illinois, with the help of the school's pastor, Father Peter McGurr. The priest went on to baptize Tolton, instruct him for his first Holy Communion, and recognize his vocation to the priesthood. No American seminary, however, would accept Tolton because of his race, so he studied for the priesthood in Rome. However, when Father Tolton returned to the U.S. after his ordination in 1889, thousands of people lined the streets to greet him. A brass band played hymns in Negro spirituals, and black and white people processed together into the local church. 
Father Tolton was the first African American to be ordained a priest. He served for three years at a parish in Quincy before moving to Chicago to start a parish for African American Catholics there, St. Monica's Parish, where he remained until his death in 1897. Venerable Augustus Tolton, who showed courage in living the truth of his faith and the truth of Jesus Christ, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time, as we hear about Jesus and his encounter with a rich tax collector. Robert Robinson was an English clergyman who lived in 18th century England. Not only was he a gifted pastor and preacher, he was also a highly gifted poet and writer of hymns. However, after many years in the pastorate, his faith began to drift. He left the ministry and finished up in France indulging himself in sin. One night he was riding in a carriage with a Parisian socialite who had recently been converted to Christ. She was interested in his opinion on some poetry she was reading, so she asked him, What do you think of this? The poem read, Come thou font of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never failing, call for hymns of loudest praise. When she looked up from her reading, the socialite noticed Robinson was crying. What do I think of it, he asked in a broken voice. I wrote it, but now I've drifted away from God and can't find my way back. But don't you see, the woman said gently, the way back is written right in the third line of your poem, streams of mercy never ceasing. Those streams are flowing here, even in Paris tonight. That night, Robinson recommitted his life to Christ. In our first reading on this 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time, from the Book of Wisdom, we hear God saying that he has poured out his mercy for all. He loves us, and he even overlooks the people's sins so that they may repent. And in the Gospel of St. Luke, we hear the story of the short but rich tax collector Zacchaeus who goes to Christ despite not being able to see him climbing up a tree. He's that anxious to see him. And Christ is willing to go to his home. And Zacchaeus, in in response to this, repents and is willing to give and does give half of his money to the poor and is even willing to make reparation if he has extorted any money from anyone. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. We, too, are called to repent of our sins. Repentance, of course, means to turn our lives around, to turn them toward Christ. So I think the question we are called to contemplate this 31st Sunday is, are we a repentant people? Are we willing to repent, being open to the mercy of God? If we are honest sometimes, we are not willing to repent. Well, why not? Because we are living at times in sin, for we are sinners. And some of the sins we are living in, 
we enjoy. We do not want to necessarily give them up. They may be sins of the flesh that are pleasurable. It may be the sins of pride and power, being extolling the fact that we are rich or powerful or important. And we can be so, I guess, addicted to our sins that we are not so willing to give them up. And when we don't, obviously, we're not repenting. Other times, we minimize our sins. We see them, but we tell ourselves, it's no big deal. God forgives me. He loves me. It's not important. And that allows us, again, not to have to repent. And we can even get to the point, especially in this culture today, where we say to ourselves, what sin? No, we don't do anything seriously wrong. Yeah, a few things here or there. But, you know, we're not really sinful. I don't see any sins. I didn't do anything wrong. And when we live in that sort of denial, we don't see our sins and hence cannot repent of them. And yet, my brothers and sisters, Jesus called us to repentance. To do this means that we must value God above all things of the world, for sins are of the world. Repentance is of God, is turning to God. And if we are to repent, God must be the greatest priority. That means that we start to practice or continue to practice the gift of detachment. Detachment is being able, by the grace of God, to detach from things of the world, to see the things of the world as not very important. That what is important is living a life in Christ, in serving God, in loving one another, and everything else doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And as we are able to live more and more in detachment, we are able to begin to repent of our sins because nothing in this world, including our sins, are all that important. We also must be aware of our sins so that we can repent of them. I know of no better way, at least in my life, than the Ignatian practice of the examination of conscience, which is recommended, I do it now daily at the end of the day. The examine, as it's called, is basically a five-step process. If you want to learn more about it, you can Google it or look it up. It's all over the internet and in Catholic reading and Ignatian spirituality. But it basically has five steps. The blessings of the day. Review your day, kind of like a movie, from beginning to the end of the day. Look at what sins you committed that day. Ask God for forgiveness for those sins. And then look at the next day in a plan to do it differently. When we live our lives examining our consciences, looking at our lives, looking at God's blessings, we are able to start to see God in all things and start to be more acutely aware of when our sins have gotten in the way of our serving God and one another. For that is what sin does. It creates division in relationship between us and God, and between us and one another. And then, as we are aware of our sins, we then turn to God, ask for his mercy, and ask for his grace to change, 
as hard as that may be, to become more conformed to him, to be willing to give up our life, our needs, our desires, our sins in order to serve him. And when we do this, we are able to begin that process of accepting God's mercy and repentance. My brothers and sisters, this life does not go on forever. The sins we commit on this world, this world is a temporary state in all our lives. May we be willing to look at our lives honestly, to detach from the things of the world, to understand and examine how we fall short, and to love and appreciate and ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. For if we are willing to be open to the mercy of God and to be honest with God in ourselves as to our own sinfulness, asking for his forgiveness, we will be able by his grace to do what he has asked us to do, to repent. Now let us listen to Company of Saints who sings, Be Where I Am.
Catholics in the news. A resident of Austin, Minnesota, techie Ryan Wanger may be passionate about creating online games and web content, but he has two even more fervent passions, cooking and creating recipes. Putting those passions aside, what has really directed Wanger's life has been his Catholicism. Faith has played a role in my life since I was as young as I can remember, Wanger said. It was definitely part of my upbringing. We were not Pray, just pray the rosary daily, but we talked about God. And when Wanger was in middle school, the church took first place in his life. It felt like a real community. It helped me solidify my faith. He said, going to church in Eucharist makes my life complete and interesting. You cannot dive deep enough into the faith when trying to find out about Catholicism. Even as an adult, Wanger volunteered faith formation as a coordinator, youth minister, and music minister for about 10 years. Although he has changed focus, he said, he can still help teach people about Catholicism through his writing, blogging, and freelance work. This helps me interact with people, he said, and helps them to interact with one another. I get to interact with teens and academics and professors. I really like the breadth of interaction. Putting his tech interests aside, Wanger's other main passion is cooking, which he attributes to his mother and grandmother. Through them, cooking was not just a ritual. I've always had a passion for cooking, he said. It's a creative process, so I don't follow recipes because they're too restrictive. If I want it done right, I do it myself. Adding that creating recipes combines elements of creativity and science. Because ethnic recipes for him bring awareness of the universality of Catholicism, he plays around with assorted Polish recipes, but loves exploring Chinese, Egyptian, and Italian dishes. One of the reasons it challenges my cooking skills is to play with 
flavor palette. It's a growth experience in the culinary field. By merging his passion for cooking, writing, and converting others to the faith, Wanger has become a regular contributor to the website Peanut Butter and Grace, especially to its feature Cooking with Catholic Kids. As a dad himself, Wanger finds that presenting a special recipe for celebrating a feast day and adding a prayer helps him and his fellow contributors show the interconnection between food and faith. As an at-home dad, Wanger says he is super blessed to care for his preschool daughter. I can help her, inform her with knowledge in the faith, he says. Techie and chef Ryan Wanger, living his faith and making it the center of his life. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media Christus Vincent, Christ's Triumph Over the Darkness of the Age, is a new book by Bishop Athenaeus Schneider. Bishop Athenaeus Schneider offers a candid, incisive examination of controversies raging in the Church in the most pressing issues of our times, providing clarity and hope for beleaguered Catholics. Bishop Schneider addresses such topics in wi- as widespread doctrinal differences, the limits of papal authority, the documents of Vatican II, the Society of St. Pius X, and anti-Christian ideologies as well as political threats, the third secret of Fatima, the traditional Roman rite, the Amazon Synod, among many others. Like his 4th century patron, St. Athanasius the Great, Bishop Snyder says things that others won't, fearlessly following St. Paul's advice to preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, and exhort, be unfailing in patience and in teaching. Snyder's insights into the challenges facing Christ's flock today is something that is essential for those who are or wish to be alert to the signs of the times. Christus Vincent will be a key point of reference for years to come. Cardinal Robert Sarah says of this book, At this critical moment in the life of the Church, we must reflect carefully on all that confronts us and discern what is true, good, and beautiful from what is evil. We cannot but be grateful to a faithful apostle such as Bishop Athenaeus Schneider for his clear and courageous analysis of the state of the Church in our day. May this book assist all who read it in living their particular vocation with greater fidelity and zeal for the glory of Almighty God and the salvation of souls. A product of the persecuted church in the Soviet Union, Bishop Snyder powerfully appeals for a return to the classical doctrine, worship, and devotion of the Roman church. Not all readers will agree with everything in his analyses, but they will find it difficult to dissent from his fundamental perception that the church requires a radical re-supernaturalization that will save it from internal secularization, free it from the domination of the all-too-human agendas, and inspire it with a new ardor to bring God to the world. Christus Vincent, Christ's Triumph Over the Darkness of the Age, by Bishop Athanasius Schneider, telling the truth about the challenges of the church in the 21st century. This week's Truth in the Media. 
an employment tribunal in England, stated that a biblical view of sex and gender is, quote, incompatible with human dignity, unquote, in a ruling against a doctor who was denied employment after refusing to use the preferred pronouns of transgendered clients. The tribunal ruled that said that belief that is in Genesis 127, that not believing in transgenderism in a conscientious objection to transgenderism is incompatible with human dignity and conflicts with the fundamental rights of others, specifically transgendered individuals. Dr. David McCarrith, a Reformed Baptist who long worked at the National Health Service, was training to take a job with the Department for Work and Pensions. He then found that because he would not refer to people by their preferred gender, but by their biology, that because he could not do this in good conscience, he was told that it would be impossible for the doctor to be remained employed there because they could not, he would not be willing to accommodate to the person's perception of who they are. It basically got him fired. McCarrith protested the termination of his contract, who then said that he was being discriminated against for his Christian beliefs and that his rights to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion had been breached. He lost the case. So let me get this straight. A doctor is fired because he's following his conscience in the teachings of the church in calling people the gender that they actually are. What is going on here? The world seems to be topsy-turvy, totally upside down. This is crazy! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Meeting with representatives of a charismatic group dedicated to caring for the sick, Pope Francis emphasized the need for tenderness as a natural Christian response to human suffering. The word tenderness, Pope Francis warned, is a word that today risks being dropped from the dictionary. We must take it up again and put it into practice anew. Christianity without tenderness does not work. Tenderness is a properly Christian attitude. It also is the very marrow of our encounter with people who suffer, he said. Pope Francis praised those present for their work of loving and generously donating to the sick, carrying out a precious mission in the church and in society, alongside the suffering. St. Camillus de Lillis initially founded an order of men at a time when active consecrated life for women had not yet matured. Two congregations for women were created in the 19th century, and a secular institutes were established in the 20th century. Together, Pope Francis said that these different chameleon groups make up a single constellation, that is a charismatic family composed of men and women religious, secular consecrated persons, and lay faithful. None of these realities is the sole custodian or single holder of the charism, but each receives it as a gift and interprets it and updates it according to his or her specific vocation in difficult and different historical and geographic contexts. In this way, the different ecclesial bodies all work together to witness in every time and place Christ's merciful love to the sick. At the center, the Holy Father went on to say, there remains the original charism as a perennial source of light and inspiration, 
which is understood and embodied dynamically in various forms. Looking forward, Pope Francis urged the chameleons to be open to new apostolates at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Through fidelity to their founder, and by listening to and accompanying those experiencing poverty and suffering today, the chameleons will know how to make his light shine, always new, on the gift received, and many young people of the world over will feel attracted by and join with them to bear witness to Christ's tenderness to his flock. Pope Francis, speaking of the importance and tenderness in serving the sick and the suffering, our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have come to the end of episode 191 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or just want to drop me a quick email to let me know how you're doing, please send that to deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.